0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show with the host that would have been perfect for Santa Claus except for the beard, the holly jolly stuff, and everybody liking him. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, in the middle of December 2019, or this time of the year, as Bo York calls it, Star Wars season. Uh, more on that in just a minute. Uh, in tonight's show, on uh, in Pipe Parts, I'm going to explain uh, what the bowl size of a pipe does to the blend, and kind of help navigate you through maybe finding blends that work better in different pipes. And then my guest is from YouTube, it's uh, Bradley from Stuff and Things. I sat down with him a couple weeks ago and got to know him, he's a great guy. So I'm sure a lot of you already watch his videos, and hopefully you'll learn something new about him tonight. Uh, music for the holiday season, mailbag, and a rave. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And yes, we are just a few short days away from a brand new and final uh, Skywalker saga Star Wars movie. So, uh wasn't really excited about it until a couple days ago. And then I started thinking about it and I thought, you know, good lord, that... Came out when I was ten years old, uh, and well, nine years old when I when it came out. And uh, yeah, well, we'll see how this movie goes. Um, I, I I'm sure a lot of you are going to go see it, so uh, I'll be avoiding all the uh, all the um, plot, uh, all all the um, secrets and stuff like that. I'll be avoiding all that until I actually go and see it, and then I'll probably go see it again just so that I can see it twice. Alright, uh, do remember, please, if you have an Ask the Pipe Maker question for uh, Jeff Graysick, please email me, brian, at pipesmagazine.com, with your Ask the Pipe Maker question. And uh, Jeff and I will sit down and do some of those probably around the first of the year, so uh, keep sending those in. iTunes ratings, reviews, much appreciated. Uh, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else you can rate or review the show, that would be greatly appreciated, too. So... All right, everybody, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here
1: we go. This is Kevin Godby from pipesmagazine.com with some good news. Our favorite Dunhill tobaccos, early morning pipe and nightcap are two of my favorites, are now back under the Peterson brand name. These are not match blends where another maker tried to reverse engineer their blend to make something that's close to the original. These are the exact recipes and tobaccos being made in the same factory, STG in Denmark, where they've been making the Dunhill tobaccos for almost 10 years. They had about a year and a half, two year hiatus, and now they're back, still being made the same way, but now under the Peterson name. Check with your favorite retail tobacconist for early morning pipe, nightcap, royal yacht. Mixture nine sixty five Elizabethan mixture, deluxe navy rolls flake, dark flake, and standard mixture. Now under the Peterson name. Yep, still good.
0: And we are back. And uh, so here's what uh, here's what Jess wrote to me. Uh, He says, I often hear you recommend something like try this blend in a smaller bowl or try this in a bigger bowl. I have no idea to what dynamics you are referring. What impact would smoking in a smaller or bigger bowl have on the experience other than a larger one potentially providing a longer smoke? I'm very curious about this. All right. So this goes back to um, uh, kind of goes back to the beginning of pipe smoking. And it also deals with physics, and it also deals with how I taste test tobaccos, and we, we kind of touch on that coming up with Bradley. Um, so the dimensions that I'm talking about are the width of the tobacco chamber, so that's the interior size of the area where you put the tobacco. That's uh, the width and the height. So those two those two dimensions change the way a tobacco is going to work. Uh, the wider the tobacco chamber, and when I'm talking about in width, I'm talking about my, my standard one is about three quarters of an inch, so 0.75. And if you go up a little bit bigger to like a 7 eighths inch, it changes the way the tobacco performs. And the reason it does that is because the law of physics just says you're still pulling in air at the same rate, but you have a more expanded area to pull it in through, and that's going to make the tobacco smoke differently. Uh, In most situations for me, if a blend is smoking too hot or smoking too strong in my 0.75 0.75 inch bowl and I go to one that's slightly wider it mellows it out and smooths it out on the other hand if I'm in the 0.78 uh, in the 7 8 inch and I go down to the 0.75 because maybe the blend's too mild for me that narrower 0.75 tobacco chamber that brings back some of the flavor that maybe that I'm missing so just by doing that it changes it the other thing that changes is the depth of the bowl. So as you smoke a bowl, all that tobacco on the top is actually filtering through the tobacco on the bottom. So the tobacco on the bottom gets, uh, can sometimes get a little, more, uh, a little more bitter or a little harsher or a little stronger because it's got all that other smoke passing by it on the way to the draft hole. So on a taller bowl, you may want to pack your pipe a little bit looser on the bottom of the bowl uh, because that tobacco is going to get compressed down, or you may want to try packing it a little tighter on the bottom of the bowl because you know that that tobacco down there, you're going to need some, you're going to need a bunch of fresh tobacco in there to keep the flavor coming. Um, all those dimensions alter how the pipe works for you. The bigger, uh, you know, the, the wider and the taller, it just manipulates the differences in the laws of physics. It's just that pure and simple. Uh, sometimes I'll find with a deeper bowl, and most of mine are about an inch and a half to maybe an inch and three quarters. Uh, most of the time I find that yeah, if I go to an inch and three quarters, or all all the way up to a two inch deep bowl, uh, it gets muddy, or you know, we'll start to get more, uh, uh start to get more acrid tasting as I get further down because it's been smoking longer. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I only have maybe three or four um, really large pipes in my collection, uh, because. Yeah, i I would much rather smoke two of my standard uh, .75 by one and a half inch bowls than one of one standard uh, seven eighths by two and a half inches. It's it's just the way I it's the way I prefer to smoke it. Uh, but again, by putting different tobaccos in different size tobacco chambers, you get a whole different experience going with it. And you may find out that a blend that is you know not working for you and one works great in the other and that works out fine uh, i have a couple of really smaller pipes that are you know like 0.68 inches across and maybe an inch to an inch and a quarter deep and those i really reserve for just the you know just the the straight virginias because those small bowls you know really bring out that flavor and those small bowls really don't do the, uh, don't do the perique too well. But again, you need to have different size bowls and you need to figure out and try different packing techniques in them to see which different blends work best in them. And it's just purely the law of physics. Cause again, on that smaller bowl, on the very small bowls that are like 0.65 inches, and yeah, you know, I'm still pulling air at almost the same rate. And you can even start manipulating your air rate so there you go i hope that clears that up do make sure and try it with uh, you know make sure you have some different size bowls in your in your uh, rotation and see if it works for you all right in just a minute uh bradley from stuffing things this is internet radio a sabinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy
2: fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli.
3: There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn. Or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. We're back
0: on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And joining us is, uh, if, you're on, if you're in the pipe smoking community and you watch any YouTube videos, you know my guest because... I think he's got more views and more subscribers than anybody else I've seen, except for maybe Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, <laughs> but it's uh, uh, most people will know you as uh, Stuffin' Things. But it's your good friend Bradley. Bradley, welcome to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, so um, I'm not real familiar with you. I've watched some of your videos, and you you give an honest, straightforward presentation um sometimes flashy sometimes f- you yeah, know you're you're in and out of a studio you're doing all kinds of different stuff uh so it's kind of fun to see the different you know the different aspects of it but uh let's go back and get your superhero origin story where where are you from where'd you grow up what'd you want to be when you grew up and um how's that for well that i cover the first two minutes yeah <laughs>
2: Um, I'm from pretty much the Pacific Northwest. It's where I've spent most of my life. I was born in Oregon, but my family's all from around the Bellingham, Washington area, and that's mostly where I've lived, um, except for some stints in Southern California when I went down there for college and things like that. Um, I I had all sorts of strange designs as a child. I think a vet, <laughs> marine biologist, uh, Navy SEAL. <laughs> there are quite a few different things. Um, ended up going to college and studying philosophy and fine art, which are the two most practical majors you could ever possibly have when you go to college. Absolutely. And then, uh, <laughs> and then was played music for a while, kind of bummed around, was sort of bohemian and then got sucked back into the family business. So I do construction work with my family right now.
0: I think if you're a philosophy major, I don't think Starbucks will even hire you because you're too slow at making coffee.
2: I think there is some sort of, it might even be state law in California, I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let, let's jump on the music thing real quick, because in your video, you and I share, uh, we, we have a common like for something that I don't see that often, but you also have a Vox amplifier.
2: Ah, uh, yes, yes, I have a AC-15. Yeah,
0: same one. Yep. Yep. <laughs> same exact one what why the uh, why the ac15
2: i think because god ever since i first started playing guitar when i was 15 or so i i could only afford like a cheap squire fender back then but i always wanted a rickenbacker 330 and when i finally was able to grab one of those and i and for me this is basically pearls before swine because i'm not really that great at guitar but oh me, oh, I me neither wanted- yeah I wanted a Rickenbacker uh, 330, and I finally got one, and it just seems like a Vox kind of goes hand in hand with a Rickenbacker. I think.
0: <laughs> so mine was mine was based off of my uh, my infatuation with Queen and Queen's music, and Brian May only playing through Vox amplifiers, and I wanted that old, ah. somewhat of a tube sound, and. The only person that enjoys listening to me play guitar is me, and that's usually for the first 15 or 20 minutes. Then I don't like it anymore. So there we go. All right, we're done with that. Um, when did pipe smoking come into, your, uh, come into your life?
2: It came in when I was actually 18, which is fairly strange, I know, because I think before the, we started recording the show, I was telling you I didn't have very many examples of anyone smoking a pipe in my life growing up. I think my dad briefly smoked one when I was a very, very little kid. I just vaguely remember that. And then he put it away and never touched it again. But um, all my friends and I, for some reason, when we turned 18, we knew we wanted to, to try tobacco, but not cigarettes. We had no interest in cigarettes whatsoever. But we just, I wanted to try a pipe. I think maybe it was a sort of like, you're 18. Yes. Now you can vote, I guess you can join the military if you want, but what is the real sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I guess, what does it mean that you you're now an adult? It's like, Oh, well we can go buy tobacco now. So we went to a local pipe store and bought some, you know, whatever house blend of, I think it was like a, apple aromatic tobacco and got some cheap basket pipes. And we went to my friend's dad's shop and we all tried smoking pipes. And (laughs) I know we made a horrible job of it, but I think from then, like when I I went away to college in LA and I would just occasionally pop that pipe out, I think still with the same tobacco I had purchased, you know, like over a year before probably Tinder dry. And I would just pop that in every once in a while. And I would do that, you know, every few months up until I think when I was 21 or 22, I started smoking cigarettes because I was playing music and hanging around with all these people who, you know, you just smoke cigarettes and pipe kind of got left behind. And then when I finally stopped smoking cigarettes about seven years ago now, I think it's been that long. Uh, I remembered the good old pipe and I found that exact same pipe I had, I had had since I was 18. And went and started getting blends again, started doing more research. By that time, YouTube was a thing. So you could actually get some more information from other people about blends that you should look at, blends that you should avoid. And then really discovered that I, I really enjoyed it as a hobby.
0: Now, did the pipe help you help you wean off the cigarettes or did you quit cigarettes and then, you know, have a, did you have a break in there from tobacco?
2: I quit cold Turkey and I did not want to wean myself off with anything else. I didn't just want to replace one dependency with another. So I didn't smoke anything or touch any tobacco products for about two or three months um, after I quit smoking cigarettes. And then with the pipe, it just was something, I think the main thing I missed with smoking cigarettes was just the relaxation, being able to kind of unwind and get your thoughts in order. And the pipe just seemed perfect for that. So it's never been a nicotine delivery system for me. It's never been about that. That's why I've never touched um, vaping or anything like that. It's the actual act of smoking a pipe that I enjoy.
0: Yeah. And and so you didn't have the urges to accidentally inhale pipe tobacco because you had done that couple of months break in there and kind of broke your psyche.
2: Right. I didn't I, I wasn't craving the nicotine. That's not why I was smoking the pipe. Obviously, you're still getting nicotine and you still might get a little kick, but. For me, yeah, it was just the the I've said it before, but the sort of meditative, contemplative kind of experience of smoking a pipe.
0: Yeah, and you're not uh, you're not jumping up out of bed in the morning, lighting up your pipe, and you know, and getting your nicotine and caffeine fix, and then having a fifteen minute smoke breaks during the day with your pipe, are you?
2: No, it's typically in the mornings. I'll have a pipe. Um, just kind of in my vehicle with my morning coffee before I start work. Um, and then don't really touch it again. Sometimes I'll have part of uh, that same bowl, which some people may find disgusting. I'll have that from the morning. I might have a couple puffs during a lunch. And then usually it's just in the evening I'll have a, a bowl, um, maybe two depending on what I'm doing or, and it's also, cause I don't smoke inside in my own house. Um, so typically, depending on the weather as well, it's like it's a ve- it's when I'm in my vehicle, it's when I'm on my go or when I'm on the go or also when I'm recording in the dank basement where I record videos um, <laughs> or edit. Sometimes I'll be having a
0: pipe. <laughs> so everybody imagines you in this glorious uh, recording studio. And you know, it's probably just like mine. It's just a corner of the house somewhere and <laughs> often your own little private world there.
2: Well, it is, it, I do call it the Stuff and Things Studios, but yeah. it is it is literally a, a basement in like a 110-year-old home, um, and you can imagine what that would look like.
0: <laughs> so a little bit of smoke to go along with the uh, possible mold and mildew and mustiness is no big deal down there.
2: Asbestos, lead paint chips, all that good stuff, probably.
0: All those things that I survived as a child, and thank God, because otherwise I'd be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Um, before we go to the break, what, what inspired you to start a YouTube channel?
2: You know, that is, that is a good question. And I'm not sure if it was, it wasn't pipe smoking. Actually, it was that I had purchased, um, I had wanted a pocket knife. I was remembering my grandpa's old pocket knives that he used to have back in the day. I think he had cases maybe. Um, and I did some research and found these GEC knives, great Eastern cutlery. And I had gotten one of those and I was so impressed with it. And I also had some experience doing videos and stuff um, from school because I had done some film stuff in school. And I thought, eh, this might be fun to just like put a review of this knife online. And that's kind of how it started. <laughs> I so you. it didn't start as a tobacco channel. Everyone gets really up in arms if I post videos that aren't about pipe smoking. But I have to remind them, like, not what the channel started as to begin
0: with. It's called stuff and things, not pipe and tobacco.
2: And that was very deliberate. I didn't want to be like Piperman two three twenty or something like that. You know, it was this was about things that I enjoyed, things that I because I always have hobbies that kind of fluctuate. I'll get super into something for a month or two, and then I kind of move on to something else. So yeah, that was kind of the basis or the reason for the the channel existing.
0: We're going to take a break right here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other things that you do on your channels and your other channels. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute.
3: Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, You've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke but the funny thing about taste it changes and you need a wide selection to accommodate it we at smoking pipes know this and you know it too so whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes, but you're still at the helm smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby.
0: And we are back on the pipes magazine radio show, visiting with our good friend, Bradley. I like the way you, you end that all the time. This is your good friend, Bradley. Um <laughs> that's just f- I did, friendly happy I,
2: I i try to put myself in a viewer's position sometime and i think maybe i would annoy myself if if i were the one actually watching but i'm glad that some people have actually kind of grabbed onto that and enjoy that it's something i did not plan i just i just started saying it and i kept saying it and now people get annoyed if i don't say it so I just have to keep going with
0: it. Yeah, well, the people that got annoyed at the stupid stuff that I say, they dropped off in the first five or ten shows, and now everybody else seems to like it and looks forward to it. So I just keep saying more stupid stuff, which comes naturally to me.
2: So that's good, because we yeah, you do build your audience, don't you? yeah, and hopefully, the people who are watching are watching because they like it, not because they want to just complain about it,
0: or you beat them into submission and then they like you know anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so in it, it, it in these stuff and things, you do primarily pipes and tobaccos, and then you and then you review other stuff, uh, mm-hmm. but n- lately you've also started doing some. Uh, readings, which are really kind of cool, but I'd love to hear how that started.
2: That was actually just suggested to me by several viewers. It's been interesting because there's this constant push and pull on YouTube in particular. It seems like your channel can should only really be about one thing. People will tell you that if they say, Oh, if you want to be successful on YouTube, you should only be doing videos on one thing. And people know that if they go to your channel, that's what they're going to see. And I, as we mentioned before the break, didn't really start the channel that way. I had a more eclectic mix of things on there and it's kind of waxed and waned. Like sometimes there may be months at a time where it's almost only uh, tobacco reviews, but I've always peppered other things in there. And there have been, some people who get irritated because they found the channel because of uh, a particular tobacco review. So that's all they want, or someone may have found the channel because (laughs) I reviewed a fountain pen. So that's all they want to see. So it is, it is kind of conflicting sometimes, but I was getting to the point where I was only doing tobacco reviews almost every single week. And I wanted to branch out a little bit and people had suggested because I do stupid voices sometimes, um, People have said, "Oh, you should read audiobooks," and I would kind of scoff at that. But then I thought, you know, that's not a bad alternative. It's it's not in any way something that would be successful on YouTube. Like I can't imagine very many people ever wanting to watch it, and the view count bears that out. But um, yeah, I just thought it would be a fun thing to do, and enough people have enjoyed it that I will continue doing it for the foreseeable future, anyway.
0: And then you're going to have to explain this to me because I'm 52 and you're not, um, Mm -hmm. but you do some, you have another channel that's you playing video games. And I really don't understand the success of those people in their channels, but I guess it's a thing.
2: It is, I think probably some of the most popular videos on YouTube, not mine, not my (laughs) channel, but Some of the number one, I mean, I guess PewDiePie is up there as far as the most subscribers on YouTube. And he started with gameplay, just playing video games, people watching him play video games. It's a huge thing. And for me, again, it was just kind of going with the theme of me doing things that I like to do. I grew up playing video games. I don't play a ton. Like I wouldn't say I'm, I'm that term a gamer. Um, but I've always enjoyed them and it's just another hobby of mine. And so I figured I was posting those video game, uh, videos on the main stuff and things channel, but kind of going with that idea that maybe you shouldn't have too much of an eclectic mix on your channel. I decided to put it over into its own. And it's literally like the only reason I do it is because I enjoy it because I get almost no views. I don't make any money on it whatsoever. Um, to get noticed in that sort of realm on YouTube is very, very difficult because so many people are doing that. But again, it's just something I enjoy, and I have enough people who watch both channels and look forward to the videos that it motivates me to keep going with it.
0: Let's jump back to tobacco because you did mention you do a lot of uh, you do a lot of tobacco reviews. Um, mm-hmm. What is your process for reviewing a tobacco?
2: I I have a little set of criteria that I, I want to try to think about. There are some things that are just purely mechanical, like the moisture content, the the ease, the packability, how easy is it to rub out if it's a flake, or you know, we've got a train, watch out.
0: Yay, uh, we and, like trains on this show.
2: Gonna, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you're going to hear that or not, probably.
0: Oh, yeah, um, crank it up.
2: <laughs> it's quite loud. Um, so I do have a certain kind of list of things that I want to think about. But when I first start smoking a blend, I, I like to go into it without reading anything. Like I don't go to tobacco reviews. I don't go to, to other websites to see what other people's opinions are. And then I smoke it for a while. I usually have a little notebook. So if something profound occurs to me, which doesn't often happen, but occasionally that happens, I'll jot it down and then I smoke it for at least a week And then at the end of that week, I just go through, I have my little sheet and I just start writing down all the things that I can think of about the blend. Um, It's difficult to, I don't know about you. Like, are you someone who smokes the same thing over and over and then you pepper in different things or are you constantly rotating through different things?
0: No, I'm, I'm that train. I'm stuck on one track.
2: (laughs) Okay. So it's, it's very difficult when you've been smoking, like I've had the channel now for over five years, and I've been reviewing blends for about that long. I think I think my first tobacco review was Elizabethan, and it was over five years ago, like five years and four months or something. And I've smoked probably hundreds of blends or reviewed hundreds of blends. And people expect you to remember exactly how all of those tasted when you reviewed them originally, <laughs> yeah, and obviously, that's not the case. And so, you know, you try, to, you try to say something fresh about each one, but basically it's it's almost like you just have to approach it as though you have amnesia every time and you're just smoking a blend and you're not comparing it to anything else other than what it is. And that's how I try to do it. And occasionally I will compare it because something is fresh in my mind or something. But I can understand maybe taken as a whole that those reviews might seem to get repetitive, but I do think still if someone's, Thinking about a particular blend if they find that on my channel that that particular review will be relevant to them hopefully about that particular blend
1: now you
0: you mentioned amnesia about the other blends but that's absolutely the right way to look at a tobacco because yeah you want to you want to do some comparison and contrast to what you what you've had in the past and you know you may want to express it to your to your viewers, you know, that this is similar to that, but right. you want to go at it with a completely fresh approach because otherwise you're just saying, well, this is like this. you know, exactly. But you need to, you need to erase your taste buds. And for somebody like me that just, you know, is hammered full of McClellan, Virginia Perique, um, <laughs> I need to go at it. And say, if I was brand new to pipe smoking, what would I think of this? Yeah, and and try to erase years of you know, years of smoking experience. Um, do you do you try different packing methods when you're when you're doing those ta- the uh, the testings of them?
2: I do usually. You know, I have a, a soft spot for just a nice ribbon cut, and I usually go for that if I'm picking a blend. But when I'm reviewing something. If it's a flake, I will try rubbing it out completely, um, which is typically how I like to smoke a flake. Or I'm, I'll do a fold and stuff at least once. I'll try various methods or chunk it up maybe once throughout that week that I'm trying the blend. I will typically smoke it the way I want or the way I prefer to smoke it for the most part. But I will try various packing methods and and I'm always trying it in different pipes too because I just you know rotate through my pipes throughout the week. So I hope that I'm getting a pretty complete breadth of experience with it but it's not scientific obviously you know (laughs) it's just at the end of the day it's just my opinion
0: it's not a controlled environment and where the air is 100 percent perfect and there's no uh no brand it's not a brand new pipe on each time
2: well and that's the thing too is that you know you talk about moisture content you talk about you know is it making the pipe wet i live in the pacific northwest and it's it's often wet. <laughs> cool and moist here, you know, so that might make a huge difference compared to someone who lives in Arizona or something. So, yeah. you know, it's all very subjective.
0: Yeah, no, but it's true. Cause I've, I've talked about it where my, my summertime morning straight Virginias that I like in the humidity of the Southeast. I don't like them. If I go to Las Vegas during the summertime, cause it's bone dry, it just tastes different. So right. Exactly. It, yeah. You know, it's completely different. Um,
2: you mentioned McClelland, uh, Virginia Perique. What are you doing now?
0: Well, I'm fine for a while. <laughs> <laughs> you squirreled enough
2: away. huh?
0: I'm fine for a while. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you're happy now because your favorite is uh, back in shipping and selling again.
2: Yes. Huzzah. I didn't know if that was ever going to happen. I had pretty strong suspicions that it would get back on the market, but it took longer actually than I thought. Um, and I had sort of resigned myself to it not coming back. But, yeah, it's. I know I know there's some controversy as far as what people thought of the Dunhill blends when they were on the market. I know there's some true connoisseurs who are not huge fans, but I always just thought, as, as a whole, the entire line was of good quality, and especially Elizabethan. Again, there are people who are like, eh, there's so many other better vapors out there. But, I don't know, it just scratched a particular itch for me and it wasn't necessarily the the most strongly flavored. It wasn't necessarily the the best in terms of whatever components were in it. But for some reason, just taken as a sum of its parts, it really just did the trick for me with the vapor.
0: It, it doesn't have to have a reason why you like it. It's just that you like it.
2: People want you to have a reason why <laughs> when, well, when they're watching your videos,
0: <laughs> Yeah. And when you do a podcast, people, well, anyway, um, so other than so you also mentioned you you like fountain pens which is I do. You're not So video games and fountain pens are like two opposite ends of the spectrum there.
2: I guess so. I don't know. I think there's been a a constant thread throughout my life where I enjoy sort of the older analog thing but I also enjoy newer technology and everything. I think maybe because I'm of that age where I can still remember all the analog stuff, but I was also young enough that when everything, when the internet rose to prominence and and technology seemed to sort of take off, I was young enough to really gravitate towards that as well. So maybe I'm kind of straddling the line there.
0: I think it's the philosophy major in you.
2: It's possible. It's entirely possible.
0: Because that tends to start off with the Greeks, and, and that's, that's before the fountain pen.
2: That is a bit before the fountain pen. Is. Yeah. It's like papyrus, I guess. Um, but I always try to proselytize fountain pens as well. I've got my fiancé. Basically, I do that by buying someone a fountain pen, and then once they write with one, they go, oh, wow, <laughs> that's very nice. And so <laughs> often they become a fan as well.
0: So let, let's talk about this for a minute. Cause you mentioned the, uh, you mentioned the money from the videos, uh, YouTube <clears throat> recently has uh, gone on a jihad against that lovely word that we love called tobacco. Um, how is, how has that affected you? And I don't think a lot of my listeners understand how YouTube compensates you YouTubers.
2: It, I, A lot of YouTubers don't understand it either, the people who are actually making the content. And I, as much research as I put into it, only have a vague understanding as well. And that's kind of what makes it so irritating is that <laughs> it's all sort of, it's gatekeeped behind this algorithm that nobody really seems to understand. Um, but basically, this was something that I, it's happened a few times where there will be this massive wave of demonetization of your videos. Um, I guess to just do it basically, if you're a content creator on YouTube, you can choose to monetize your videos if you want. And you would get kind of a pittance for each video, but it would be something that if you had quite a few videos out there and you were getting enough views, it would turn into something that wasn't, um, it was actually like a, a fairly good form of alternate income for me. And after five years, I had built up, a pretty good following and had some good views good view counts and so you start relying on a little bit of that extra income and then had weathered a few storms of demonetization and things seemed to be okay and then a few months ago pretty much a hammer just dropped all of a sudden and almost every video i had that had anything to do with tobacco was demonetized and so i found basically all my revenue I think it decreased by two thirds. I was making about a third of what I had been from my videos. Um, so that's just been something that, it, that you've had to kind of adjust to basically it's you, you're, you control your destiny and that you can decide how many videos you're making, what you're making the videos about, but there's still this, this aspect that you have no control over and that's whether or not YouTube's advertising algorithm decides whether or not your video can be monetized so it's not the greatest position to be in and that's why i've delved into things like patreon if you want to go to patreon.com stuff and things show um, you can support (laughs) the videos on there because that's actually the viewers of your content deciding that they want to support the content as opposed to google deciding so that's basically where i've kind of had to go with it if i have a, a tobacco video if it's a tobacco review. I know it's not going to be able to be monetized anymore. So things, and now because my channel is sort of on the list, I guess, even <laughs> if I post something, I posted a video about a trip to Hawaii that gets demonetized right off the bat. And then I have to submit it for review. And maybe after a couple days, it will come back. Okay. But by a couple days, your main, the main views that you would have gotten on the video are already have already occurred. So it's kind of, it's, it's not a great system.
0: So the, the money comes from those little videos or ads that they play before your videos or during your videos. And if I understand it right, I mean, it's like a half a cent or a quarter of a penny per per video played. Is that, yeah,
2: Yeah, there's this weird formula they use. It's clicks per melee. So how many clicks per a thousand views, how many people will actually click on the advertisement? Oh boy. And And so it, it varies on whose content it is. Certain, certain viewer viewership will click more than others. will. I would, I would assume that if you're doing gameplay videos and your, your viewers are mostly teens, they are less likely to click on ads probably because they're so used to it and they have ad blocker and things installed. Um, so it's, it's all very nebulous and strange, but yeah, I've had, I have some videos that have, you know, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of views. Um, some of my most popular tobacco reviews had tens of thousands of views, and those were kind of perennially getting me a payout, and now those have all been demonetized for the most part.
0: And, and, the, and the amount of money that we're talking about, you were probably spending on either equipment or software or more tobacco and stuff for the channel to review. So yeah, it's just kind of strangulating yourself there.
2: Yeah, it's kind of it was kind of to the point where not only was I able to pay for blends that I wouldn't have purchased other than to review them on the channel, um, and then it was also like a nice little supplementary bit of income as well. So that's pretty much why I've done the Patreon, and not to not to hammer that point too much, but a lot of people have a Patreon account, and it's all about different tiers and rewards. I'm literally just saying, if you like it you can go to the patreon um i'm not gonna be sending you a t-shirt or anything like that but (laughs) it's much appreciated and and that's the crazy thing with the pipe the pipe smoking community is is very tightly knit and it's filled with people who for the most part i don't know if you've ever read through like a youtube comment thread um but usually it's the dregs of society on there but on pipe tobacco videos it's almost universally polite and kind and helpful so it's a really great community
0: yeah i've had my experience with the regular community on social media and i'll just stay right back here in the pipe and tobacco community because those people out there are scary and and they wanted me they wanted me to do things that was physically impossible for me to do with myself (laughs) (laughs) i just don't bend that far i'm sorry uh, yeah <laughs> anyway uh besides the uh so the pens the you're doing the readings you do pipes and tobaccos are you still doing some knife and knife reviews and that kind of stuff too
2: i haven't done any knife stuff in a while um i have it's weird like there, there'll be just periods where for some reason i was getting sent wallets over and over again so i was reviewing a bunch <laughs> of wallets Um, that kind of died out. There've been times where I've, I delve into technology. I did like a computer rebuild. There's stuff that's, that I enjoy and like to pepper in, but there's always that push and pull where if I do videos about things other than pipes and pipe tobacco, I will have a certain portion of the audience get irritated. But one thing I've tried to do just throughout the years is kind of ignore that vocal minority a little bit, try, try not to be too, um, stubborn because definitely there's some good feedback that you can get from your audience. but for the most part, the people who enjoy what you're doing aren't necessarily telling you. they're just there watching. Um, and I think a lot of the people who watch my channel enjoy kind of the eclectic nature of it, I hope.
0: <laughs> it's kind of autobiographical and I would assume now maybe with a fiance that maybe we'll we'll get to see some of the wedding planning.
2: We'll see. She's she was very resistant to being in any videos whatsoever. So (laughs) I'm slowly like she was she was in some of the videos I did about our trip to Hawaii that we took recently. Um, But we'll see. I know that people you develop a relationship with the people who watch your your videos, and they think of you as someone they know. You know when they're watching you every week, and so I know a lot of people want to hear about those aspects of my life, and they want to see her, and I don't know. So it's a it's a line to walk between your own privacy and also like being kind of forthcoming and and uh, i don't know i try to walk it
0: i'm right there with you uh bradley we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions no right answer no wrong answer just whatever comes to your mind are you ready
2: i guess so i'm gonna try
0: what is your favorite pipe
2: Oh man, I've gotten so many good ones lately. I think right now my favorite pipe is my 64 Dunhill Root Briar.
0: That I think, didn't a a viewer gift that to you?
2: Yes, it was unsmoked. (laughs) So talk about the generosity of the pipe community.
0: Yeah. Um, This is a stupid question to ask you, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway, because I ask everyone and I know the answer, but here it is. What is your favorite tobacco? Hmm. Um,
2: I don't know. Uh, it is Peterson. Well, it is now currently Peterson-Elizabethan mixture.
0: <laughs> and what is your favorite drink?
2: Uh, it either it's a tie between coffee and Dr. Pepper.
0: See, now that's where my wife 100% agrees with you. Dr. Pepper <laughs> is dramatically better than Mr. Pibb. Mr. Pibb is kind of like a warm, fuzzy feeling. Oh, yeah. That's close.
2: Creepy opera. And-
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music?
2: Um, I prefer probably a movie, but music is up there as
0: well. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe-smoking-related memory?
2: Mm, I think that might have to be the very first time I ever smoked a pipe with my idiot friends and uh, (laughs) not knowing at all what we were doing, but thoroughly enjoying ourselves and actually getting to the point of almost vomiting because I think we were partially inhaling and it it was just, it was a mess.
0: (laughs) The YouTube channel is S-T-U-F-F-A-N-D things stuff and things all one word or uh patreon.com slash stuff and things uh the the game playing one is stuff and things plays is that that is
2: correct and the the patreon is stuff and things show but yes thank you
0: there you go uh with thirty two thousand plus subscribers and thousands and hundreds of thousands of views you must be doing something right so whatever you're doing just keep doing it. And uh, thanks for spreading the good word of the pipe and tobacco world.
2: You as well. Thanks so much for having me.
0: And we'll be back in just a minute.
1: Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D. As a crew of folks who just love tobacco, it's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold.
3: This is Internet Radio.
0: We are back, and do make sure and go over to YouTube, and if you haven't checked out what Bradley's doing over there, make sure and uh, check him out. Give him a subscribe and a thumbs up and a bell ring or whatever they do over there on the on the YouTube All right, for music, going back to the classic Burl Ives, pipe smoker, cigar smoker, and uh, it wouldn't be Christmas without hearing him sing one of his songs from one of the uh, TV specials. So this one's uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer with Burl Ives.
4: You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid. Love the Red-Nosed Reindeer Had a very shining nose And if you ever saw it You would even say it glows All of the other reindeer Used to laugh and call him names They never let poor Rudolph Join in any reindeer games Then one foggy Christmas Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? Then how the reindeer loved him, as they shouted out with glee. Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, you'll go down in history. you go down in history.
3: To
0: find more of Burl Ives stuff, you can go on to uh, Spotify and search Burl, B U R L Ives, I V E S. And uh, not only, yeah, I normally think of him at Christmas time, but uh, Burl Ives did uh, some gospel, did country, uh, did some of the classics, just an all around talented guy and a pipe smoker.
4: Mm-hmm message from the dark side
0: there is and remember if you have a comment you can post it on the pipes magazine radio show page on pipes magazine you can follow me on facebook or instagram reach out to me there you can email me directly brian at pipes magazine.com and uh, we got a message that came in uh, looks like about two weeks ago and it says uh, the last two shows were great guys once again thanks for all you do for our pipe uh, our pipe friend fraternity like reggie jackson your show is one of the straws that stirs the drink for our pipe community and i can't thank you enough for the entertainment and education and best wishes from northern minnesota with regards to your daughter's health uh, pipe collector 34 thank you very much for that uh, going back to last week's show, we have uh, Traveler's Check. I like the way he wrote it, too. The travel, Traveler's and then C-Z-E-C-H. Uh, he wrote, well, I finally did it. I have finally caught up to current with next week, with next week's episode. What a wonderful and informative journey it has been listening to 378 episodes, which didn't start out with that number as the finish line kept moving ahead while I was in progress. Uh, It comes as bittersweet, however, as now, like most, I have to wait a week for the next episode. I must say I've thoroughly enjoyed each and every week's offerings and thank Brian, Kevin, and everyone else involved in making my horrific commute to and from work actually enjoyable and, at times, something to look forward to. Thank you again, Brian and company, for a great asset to the pipe-smoking community. Uh, Travelers, check. You are most welcome. And, uh, you know, you can always... I don't know. Go back to the beginning and start all over again. Well, maybe not all the way back to the beginning, but go back and you can uh, pick out some of your favorite episodes and re-listen to them. Uh, and then Casey ghost writes a good show. The review of McConnell's red Virginia was good, but as I don't like Virginia's I'll have to pass on it leaves more for you. Uh, Dominguez sounded like a nice guy. He must have a good side income to sell pipes at a hundred dollars a piece. I'm surprised his mentor, Mike Butera, is letting him do this. Mike normally squeezes blood out of turnips when he sells a pipe. <laughs> I'd be real interested in hearing what kind of pipes he is restoring, repairing. I don't know why I'm asking. George Debos does mine. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, Mark's doing it as a uh, part-time uh, retirement job. So, uh, But I imagine his prices will uh, start pushing up in the future. Um. Also on another podcast, (laughs) uh, Charlie writes, Hi Brian, just listened to this week's Country Squire radio podcast discussing aging and keeping tobacco. I know this is a topic that has been beaten to death. John David talked of coin-style tins vacuum-sealed, saying they should be opened and jarred because these seals don't hold. My question is, do I start opening up the roughly 100 tins I have and start putting them in jars? Granted, same blend and age could go two tins to an eight ounce jar. Uh, eight ounce jar, according to your YouTube video. Uh, also, what about the eight ounce esoterica bags? Many leave as is. Others say open and jar them. Thanks, Charlie. All right, let me uh, let me just say with the uh, with the Mylar bagged stuff from uh, uh, from esoterica. I'd put those in a jar. I wouldn't leave them in wouldn't leave them in that bag for much more than maybe two years. So if you want some real serious aging on them, yeah, I'd put them in a jar. Uh, I'd pack the jar so that there's enough room in there for some air to get around. So don't cram it all uh, air you know jammed in completely airtight. Um, the the round tins, I've never had much of a problem with them. I'll be honest with you. The round tins, I've never had much of a problem with. The square tins, I have seen problems with those. So, yeah, you know, pack. If you got the square tins and you want to age them for more than a couple, three, four years, I'd open them up right away. Put them in jars. Put as much as you can into one jar as comfortable as you can. But again, leave the air in there so that the air can do its work. Uh, with the round tins, if you're worried about them, I just take a I just take saran wrap, put it you know fold saran wrap over it three or four times, and then just kind of spin the edges so uh, uh, or you know spin the tin in there so that the edges wrap down real nice and tight, and that you know that saran wrap just helps hold the lids down because that's all you're really worried about is holding the lid down you're yeah you want some of that air to be able to escape a little bit you want a little bit of uh yeah you want a little bit of motion in there but again you just don't want that lid popping up and with the round tins i've really never had a problem and i've got some round tins that are i don't know 25 30 years old here at home and all i have is i just wrapped them in saran wrap as tight as possible and folded it under and just helps hold the lid down. So there's my answer to that. Uh, If you want to, you know, pack them into whatever jar they fit into comfortably, that would be, uh, (laughs) that'd be, that'd be my suggestion, but don't worry about it too much. On iTunes, um, Ham6838 says descriptive descriptions, but he gives five stars. And here's what he says. Uh, The quality is great. So I don't want to give fewer stars, But, might I suggest describing what's being discussed in a given episode? I've been smoking many years, but don't know 99% of the names on the episode description. I'm sure they're all knowledgeable and engaging, but there are only so many hours in a day to wade through all the content to find what interests me most. Uh, This works well in other podcasts, and after I've exhausted the ones I think I want to hear... I go to the rest based off uh, based on enjoyment they've given me. Uh, with most anonymous names, it's hard to know where to start. Thank you. Um, I will tell you that if you go to PipesMagazine.com, Kevin writes up a great description of each show, and it talks about what's in pipe parts, and it talks about the guest and gives a little bit of a preview on the guest. So you can go over to PipesMagazine.com and... Click on the radio show banner and all those descriptions that you're looking for there. Then you can go skim through those 10 at a time per page and figure out which ones you want to watch. All right, comments or questions, again, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. If you are planning on, uh, if you're looking at any vacation trips coming up and you're looking at some of the deals that are coming out, uh, let me just give you a little bit of advice. When you see some of those discount rates from some of the online travel agencies like Expedia or some of those places, uh, those discount rates are you know two to three percent off of what I can get usually. However, the difference is you become a third tier. You know, you're you're part. You're purchasing through a third party and you become less of a priority to the cruise line or even to the hotel or to the, uh, to the resort that you're going to. So if you wanna really protect your uh, vacation, reach out to me, let me know what you're thinking about doing. It's brian.levine at mei-travel.com thing. The same thing goes with uh, Disney World or Disneyland if you're thinking of going there. And you look online at like Orbitz or Hotels.com and you see some of those rates. Well, you know, just reach out to me and we'll talk about it. Uh, For a couple more percent, you may ensure that you get the vacation that you want. And then you get me working with you all the way through the vacation. And you get me working for you if anything goes wrong. All right. uh, Holiday rave time coming up in just a moment. throws of the holiday season the hustle and bustle as we come up on the end of the year and things are starting to get rushed and a little frenzied well i want to make sure that you know that the people that are working in retail the people that are working in restaurants the people that are working for delivery companies right now you know give the give the give the worker people a break they're doing the best they can based off of the system that they're in and give them a break smile at them be patient with them they're trying their best and a lot of them are working a lot of extra hours and it's just it's that time of the year and don't take it out on the front line people it's not their fault if there's a problem Uh, and besides that you get more uh, you get more flies with honey than you do with vinegar but I had a uh, run-in with a uh, very big box store over this past weekend and you know the lady in the store was perfectly nice and I was perfectly nice with her and it wasn't her fault it was the system that she had to work in and you know, down the road, well the company will hear about the system that they have and you may hear about that too. But in the meantime, the person that was standing there right in the store in front of me, it wasn't her fault. Give those people at retail a break, give those people that are working the front lines and the restaurants a break, and you know, all these all these delivery drivers now that are trying to double and triple their load all in one day. Uh, you know, even if it's the, the, U S mail, just give them a break, smile at them, say thank you. And, you know, things are, things are hectic for them and it makes it a whole lot easier on their day. And even if you're driving down the road and they need to turn, you know, maybe let them in, you know, just give them that one little break and a little smile and it'll make their day and make your day and everything will move a whole lot faster. So it's the, it's the rush of the holidays and don't take it out on the people that, (laughs) That are working in the front lines. All right. uh, Once again, email me Brian at PipesMagazine.com if you have any comments or questions. Uh, If you have any ask the pipe maker questions, email them to me. And any travel stuff, Brian.Levine at Mei-Travel.com. I want to thank Bradley for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time.
4: About The clouds when we're together, just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Dread, Badida, 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 Bumba, Bumba,
0: Bumba, Where do you think you're going to put a tree that big? Bend over and I'll show you.